What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and earlier this week, we dropped a video where we proved with numbers that no player should be off your board. I don't care how bad he was for you the year prior. We found that no matter how bad a player was the year before for your fantasy team, it had no impact on his ability to win leagues for you in that next year. Today, we're going to talk about the wide receivers that can be league winners for you. Now, before I get into that, give me one second here. about that hurt your team in 2020 gives you a little bit of sour taste in your mouth but i think can have has a real good chance to bounce back strong here in 2021 is going to be dj Moore. that's my dog i loved him coming out of maryland first round receiver stud prospect and he was going at the 306 as the wide receiver nine in 2020 so that's pretty that's that's pretty high you know top 10 he's supposed to be a wide receiver one and he goes out there he finishes as the wide receiver 27 in points per game and now he's going at the 404 as the wide receiver 18. So it's clear he disappointed last year, getting him at a discount. But let's look at what DJ Moore did in 2021. He put up 66 catches for 1,193 yards and four touchdowns last year. That's not great. Like I said, wide receiver 27 in points per game. It, it was disappointing. But the thing is that Teddy Bridgewater really held back DJ Moore. For whatever reason, they had Robbie Anderson, they had DJ Moore. And we expected Robbie Anderson to operate as this deep threat. You know, this, he's a straight line speedster like he was on the Jets. And then DJ Moore would just kind of be this do-it-all X receiver. Those roles kind of flipped last year. So they used Robbie Anderson like intermediate and underneath while using DJ Moore as a deep threat, which is just like a, a really stupid way to use DJ Moore. But in that role, it was tough for DJ Moore because Teddy Bridgewater isn't exactly a guy who's going to air the ball out. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is going to dink and dunk and game manage his way, kind of like an Alex Smith. And what ended up happening was that DJ Moore was running these routes. He was getting open, but DJ Moore's target accuracy last year was after the top 80 wide receivers. He was getting straight wounded ducks and air mails thrown his way. That's why he only had 66 catches on 118 targets. My boy DJ Moore is not out there dropping the football. He's just not getting catchable targets. And even with that, he still had 66 catches for 1200 yards, which is fine. The problem was is the TD total. And that's, that's kind of been the story for DJ Moore. Last year, the Panthers only threw for 16 touchdowns and DJ Moore only ended up with four. So this is two years in a row now where the Panthers are, are holding back DJ Moore because their quarterback can't throw enough TD passes. In 2019, he only scored four touchdowns because Kyle Allen only, only threw 17 passing touchdowns. And it's not that I, I can't stand the idea that DJ Moore, you know, he's just not a red zone guy. He can't score touchdowns. No, he's still, he's scoring like 25% of the passing touchdowns in an offense. It's just that his piece of the pie is fine. It's just that the total pie isn't big enough. 25% of say... 25 touchdowns is what like seven to eight touchdowns that's that's a fine number but when you are dealing with less than 20 passing touchdowns in a season it's hard to expect dj Moore to get into eight nine ten touchdowns there's just not they're just not scoring the ball enough 
But the thing is that we know that touchdowns aren't really sticky year to year. Touchdowns are kind of random. We've seen bad quarterbacks throw a lot of touchdowns, like a Blake Bortles. They aren't super sticky year to year. And Darnold doesn't need to throw 30 plus touchdowns for DJ Moore to kind of bounce that touchdown number back. And remember, Sam Darnold, I don't love him as a quarterback, but there's still there's still a chance that he is Ryan Tannehill. There's a chance that he isn't Ryan Tannehill. And he still just gets like 25 touchdowns. And that would do it, that would do a lot for DJ Moore. And I get that DJ Moore hurt you last year. But here's the thing that we have to kind of understand with DJ Moore. What he did last year was his absolute floor. You drafted him at pick 30. He was being used out of his position as a deep threat wide receiver with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. He finished outside the top 24 wide receivers. Here's the thing, though. He didn't bury you. Now, how I explain this is with his win rate of 7.7%. To just give a little bit of a breakdown on win rate, I've been using them in, uh, using that stat in videos recently, but I, I don't think I've explained it enough. So if a player's win rate is, let's say, 10%, then that means of the thousands of teams with DJ. So let's say, let's say Amari Cooper has a 10% win rate of the thousands of teams that drafted Amari Cooper, 10% of them won their league. If that makes sense. If you return cost to ADP, you have an 8.3% win rate. That's one out of 12. That's the average. So even in the absolute doomsday scenario where doom, where DJ Moore is burning your third round pick, finishing outside the top 24 wide receivers, he still gave you a 7.7% win rate. He wasn't busting. You know, busting is like below 5%. That means he's like really hurting you. But in, at that point, 7.7% win rate, 8.3% to the average. He's giving you a 0.6% a tick. That's that's not anything huge. And that's the reason I love DJ Moore because he will never bury you. He is good enough. He is so talented that will, he will put up fringe top 24 numbers and be just good enough to not bury your team. But he has insane upside because he's super talented. DJ Moore the thing that people don't understand is DJ Moore is a damn stud. He was a, a first round pick, age 18 breakout age, just an absolute analytics darling. And you can find crazy stats on him through his first three NFL seasons. There, like, there is just lists on lists on lists of people on Twitter, people on Pro Football Reference. The things you can pull up on DJ Moore with what he's done this far is insane. I, I saw this one on Twitter from Matthew Friedman and said NFL wide receivers with two plus seasons of 1200 yards before 24 years old are Randy Moss, OBJ, D-Hop, and Mike Evans. There's a million of those kind of tweets. DJ Moore is an elite company in terms of catches and yards through three years for his age. He shows up really well in a lot of stats as well. He was 11th in yards per route run. He was top 10 in yards at the catch last year. So he's being used as a deep threat with bad balls coming his way. He's still operating efficiently from a yards per route run standpoint, even though a lot of those routes that he's running, he's getting bad balls thrown to him. He still was finishing in elite in an elite company. And on top of that, even while getting, he had a 13-yard average depth of target. So he's getting the ball past the first down marker. His yards per reception was 18. So he's averaging five or so yards after the catch. He was like top 10 in yak as well. This is a guy who is a playmaker. He can get open down the field. He can demand targets. And then once he gets the ball, he's special, man. He has that yards of the catch ability. And there's really no phase that he doesn't win in. And when I mean that, I really mean that. The, the whole knock on DJ Moore coming out is that he was this raw playmaker. You know, he was a screen guy. He got the ball and he could just he could just make plays. He was, he was that yak monster, kind of like a Debo Samuel. But he's turned that raw playmaker archetype into a legit wide receiver, a legit X wide receiver. He came in 2019, year two. He sucked at route running. He only beat man at a 27th percentile. And he comes out in 2020 and he showed massive improvement across the board. He's hovering around a 75th percentile winning against man, press, zone, literally beating any any type of coverage you want to throw in DJ Moore's face. 
this guy will beat it. And there's no reason to expect if he goes from 2019, he sucks at running routes. Then he goes to 2020 and he's in the 75th percentile. Don't be surprised when it's 2021 and we look at his reception perception and DJ Moore is 80 to 90th percentile against man. This is a guy who is still learning the, the art of route running. And I think that year four, he can really hit that stride. So he's great at route running. He's great at demanding targets. He's super efficient. He's talented. And I'm going to keep get betting on that. I'm going to keep on betting on that because if he's healthy, he won't burn you. Like, like I said, worst case scenario happened last year at a higher draft price. Now you're getting him at around the fourth round. Last year, you paid a third round price for him. He, he busted and he still didn't bury you. He didn't burn your team. DJ Moore feels a lot like Stefan Diggs. We always knew Stefan Diggs was really good. He would play these different roles every year, wherever the coach wanted him to go. He would pop a couple of the years and he goes to the bills and he goes crazy. I think for DJ Moore, we're going to see him pop a couple of these years where he puts up a top 12 season. That happened with Stefan Diggs on the Vikings. And then either the Panthers get a sick quarterback. He gets lucky with touchdown efficiency. There's no Adam Thielen to hold him back. So I think that we're going to see DJ Moore break into that wide receiver one season a lot quicker than Stefan Diggs did, even though Stefan Diggs had his fair share of really good seasons before he went to the Bills. So I'm going to keep betting on talent. This is a consolidated target share offense. Curtis Samuel's gone. The targets are going to literally go DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. And there's a, there's a, there's a world where Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator is like, you know what? DJ Moore is a stud. Let's actually use him as our all-purpose X. There's a lot of things that can, that can go into place where DJ Moore offers you top five, top 10 upside. For this next one, it's kind of the similar premise that I'm just trying to bet on talent with these wide receivers, especially when they're giving us this discount because people got burned last year. Chris Godwin is one of those guys. He was going at the 208 last year as the wide receiver six. And this was coming off a season in 2019 where he finishes the wide receiver two overall. 2020, he comes out and he's pretty much banged up. He misses four full games and he posts a 4.4% win rate. So he really burned people last year. Now he's going at the 403 as the wide receiver 17. Last year, I'm not putting a lot of weight into what he did last year, but even then he he fractured his finger and had surgery on it. When you're catching passes as a wide receiver, a finger injury is probably like the worst thing you can get. When you're trying to catch passes and shit, like when you're finger, like I couldn't even imagine having like a finger like in a splint trying to catch a football. But he went out there, even in that situation, he posted wide receiver 15 numbers and points per game. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Wide receiver 15. Like I said earlier, he's going at the wide receiver 17 at ADP right now. And he just finishes the wide receiver 15 playing through an injury. So his bounce back case is, is pretty simple. Like I said, Godwin is super talented. We want players that are good at football. I also want players. This is an idea that I've, I've heard from other people, but I might even do a video on this. You want to draft players where you can see in your head, them having a higher ADP in the next year. You know what I mean? You want to you want to draft next year's 101. You want to draft next year's 106. You know what I mean? You want to draft next year's wide receiver one in ADP. You want to kind of hit on those guys earlier rather than be late. So with Godwin, it feels like that because I could easily see a world he bounces back. Don't be surprised when he's a second round pick again in 2022. This is a guy who had a number two overall wide receiver season under under his belt. You don't just luck into wide receiver two overall type seasons. And he, he's still an elite route runner. He showed that last year. Even while being banged up, the feet did not lie, fellas. He was beating man at the 96th percentile, which was actually higher than his mark from 2019, where he was only beating man at the 88th percentile. So he was actually running better routes. He just was hurt. He was missing games. He was getting eased in. And pretty much what it comes down to is no one can guard Chris Godwin. I don't think there's a slot wide receiver that can really, or a slot corner that can really give Chris Godwin many problems. Tom Brady, we've seen him use the slot with Wes Welker and Julian Edelman. He loves that area of the field. And this is an offense that you want as many pieces of. Mike Clay has the Buccaneers leading the league in pass touchdowns. This offense could just 
go crazy 50 passing touchdowns type shit where Tom Brady had Randy Moss you know what I mean like it could just be one of those kinds of offenses I get that Antonio Brown and Mike Evans are going to take away targets but the offense's overall efficiency and touchdown scoring upside is going to balance that all out because when it comes down to this I just want super talented players on good teams that's like it's just that simple when I when you're drafting a player you ideally want him to be on a high scoring offense you want him to be talented at football and that's just kind of what it comes down to with Chris Godwin. I think he probably flirts with top 12 numbers. He has TD upside. He has double-digit TD upside in that offense. And he has this, this added caveat I don't think that people are thinking of. But if Antonio Brown or Mike Evans were to go down, he would shoot up and be a top five wide receiver. Imagine in, in training camp. And remember, we're talking about Antonio Brown here. Antonio Brown loved the guy before he became crazy. But if Antonio Brown got, up, got involved in some stupid shit, and got suspended for the season, or he just like walked away from the Bucks. we wouldn't be surprised at all. Like that's always in Chris Godwin's range of outcomes is Antonio Brown does some dumb shit. He gets hurt. Mike Evans gets hurt. And now all of a sudden, Mike, or now all of a sudden, Chris Godwin wheels up top five fantasy wide receivers. So I like him at cost. I think that he's a good bet to bounce back after a down year in 2020. And we left the best for last. This is the poster, poster boy, boy for, well, this guy's burned me too many fucking times. I'm not going to draft him this year. I can't do it. He burned me too many times. Guess what, fellas? We're doing this again in 2021. The poster child for bounce back wide receivers in 2021, none other than Odell Beckham Jr. This is a guy who has burned us for four years straight. He has not had an 8.3% win rate or better since 2016. He's gone from a first rounder to a second rounder to a third rounder in 2020 to now a late fifth rounder in 2021 and now we're getting him at his proper price we're getting him at that injury disappointment discount we're getting him in the fifth round as a as a high-end wide receiver three and i get that he tore his acl in 2020 but let's look at those first six games because there's some positive signs to be seen from them he still managed a 25 percent target share he had a 25 percent target share at the beginning of 2020 he had a 25 percent target share in 2019 he's still earning targets the difference was this year as much as your favorite analyst doesn't want to tell you this, OBJ looked like the old OBJ last year. He set reception perception on fire last year, fellas. He was beating man in the 91st percentile. He was beating press in the 94th percentile, operating as Cleveland's X wide receiver. They couldn't fucking guard him. OBJ was beating them, man. The only thing that was holding him back in those first six weeks was passing volume. But here's the thing. This was a new system. Kevin Stefanski came over to be the head coach, run his offense. The problem is when you get that first system of an offense or that first year of an offense, especially with a COVID year, they're trying to ease things in. They don't want to put too much pressure on Baker Mayfield. And I really think that's why they relied on the run so much. And that's why they were so run heavy. You also had those monsoon games where they're out there in like, I don't know what it was. It was like a wind tunnel game where they weren't even being able to throw. That happened a couple of times. But by the time the end of the season came, came about, and Stefanski kind of really settled into the offense and Baker settled into the offense and they wanted to run their plays, play action, throwing the ball. We saw an uptick in attempts. In the last six games, Baker went from 26.5 attempts per game to 36.83 attempts per game, which would have been a top 12 rate last year. So all the people that want to think Stefanski wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, he showed that it's kind of the opposite. I think that he likes to run the ball to set up the pass. I think he wants to pass a little bit more. There, These... these Offensive coordinators and these play callers, they see the Bills and they see the Chiefs. I doubt that there are many bright play callers out there that want to just pound the rock. Stefanski's a bright dude. He doesn't want to just pound the rock to the point where it's suboptimal. He wants to go out there and throw. 
the difference is he was implementing his offense. They're running the football. They were kind of getting things in slow. Then towards the end of the season, even without, remember, this is without OBJ. They're throwing at a top 12 pass rate. They threw in the playoffs. They want to get there. Just imagine if they had OBJ. And it's kind of these two things that didn't, that didn't sink last year that I think is giving us a lot of value this year. We have the Cleveland's offense through those first 10 games, 11 games, they were running the ball at a super heavy rate. Then you had 12 to 16. They're passing at a really heavy rate because that's kind of what Stefanski wants to do. I think they probably want to come away from running the ball as much as they were. So the difference is, is that you have the end of the season where Baker Mayfield is finally getting a hold of the offense, command of the offense, where they're throwing the ball a ton and they're finally settling into the offense. The difference is that you just didn't have OBJ there for it. I truly think that OBJ, if he played the way he did in those first six games and he played the entire season and it he was healthy during weeks 12 to 16, where the Browns were actually passing the football, I think he would have lit fantasy on fire those last four or five weeks if they were passing at a top 12 rate and we saw this Odo Beckham that is beating man coverage and, and press at 90 percentile plus 25 percent target share over those last four games he probably would have been a league winner I know that he just hurt his ACL and he's older now but that's all kind of baked into his cost you know he's a late he's a late fifth rounder he's a high-end wide receiver three we're getting him at that price now so I'm I'm willing to take that swing because I think that this is still Odo Beckham I don't think he's out of his prime yet I think that he has, he wants to kind of show that he is still OBJ. I've been shit on, on Twitter for this take, but I, I really do think that Odell Beckham is a, a good wide receiver. He's just having that little blip for a couple seasons that Randy Moss had in Oakland. He's going to come back. He's going to have his Randy Moss on the Patriots type season. Just, just fucking wait on it, fellas. Now that's it for the video today. Those are my top three bounce back wide receivers. We're going to cover top, my top three bounce back running backs in the next video. Now, while you're down there, make sure you go up, hit the subscribe button leave a like on the video. It helps us out in the algorithm. And that's it for today, man. Make sure you follow me at Ron Store on Twitter. I love you guys. We're at like 1.7 something K at this point. I think, I think we might mess around and hit 2K by August. By August 1st. I don't know. I, that's probably a little bit wild. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm still outside with the grip. What? what you expect? My jewelry will